across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Listen up, Rockstar Nation. I am going on three years now doing this podcast, and you know I've had uh, well over 300 guests on here, and I hope you guys have learned a lot. I know I have learned a ton, and and even though we try to get to all meat and potatoes and have people give actionable content on this podcast, there's only so much we can do with one interviewee. And uh, there were a couple of things that I seem to find that real estate industry, uh, the sales industry, it, at least in my opinion, was yearning for. And one of those is a hyper, hyper, hyper focus on the listing appointments. I think there's a huge frustration out there from agents that, you know, quite frankly, lose listing appointments. It's It, it can ruin your month. One lost listing especially if it sells right away and it's a decent price can ruin your month might even ruin your year it's a a kick in the gut and nobody wants to feel that and i think that a lot of people want to be empowered better and there's very few courses on how to you know put on a superman cape and go in there and and take the listing every single time so what i did is i interviewed eight top agents from around the world i've got five different companies represented all have been on this show so you guys know them you know, I've got Jeff Quinton, I've got Nate Martinez, Jeff Cohn, I've got Rachel Adams out of Sacramento, California, uh, Brendan Payne, Aaron West, Dan Grieb, and Saul Z. All, all super agents, all rock stars. Just completely pull back the curtain and let everybody, a camera, see how they do listing appointments. And so what I did is I took these and I broke them up. It, it was evident that everybody's listing appointment pretty much broke down to six steps and we took these six steps and broke them down into f- more sub chapters then we created quizzes uh, that go along with them and a certification and we're calling it uh, the listing appointment certification and it's in the finishing phases now uh, I don't have it for sale and so what I thought I would do is since I haven't spent a dime on marketing yet I will take the marketing fee and the marketing amount normally spent and just discount it for anybody that wants to sign up for it prematurely before it comes out. You don't have to pay anything now and you don't have to buy it. Just let me know now that you could consider buying it in the future and you'll get uh, 50% off. I'm going to sell for $4.99 as soon as I make it uh, public and then I'll give it to you guys for $249, $249. All you got to do is send an email to rockstar at hybin.com, rockstar at hybin.com. I'm also uh, creating a another product with Jeff Cohn, which is a team building product. We don't have the details of the price of that yet, but if you're interested in that, just put uh, also interested in Jeff Cohn's uh, product in the email as well. Just also interested in the team building product as well. So... I hope to get your emails and look forward to calling you a certified listing agent and a certified team agent in the future.
Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest today from Nashville, Tennessee, Amanda Bell. Amanda's at At Home Realty, and uh, she is making waves there and selling a lot of houses. So without further ado, Amanda, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Thank you so much. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, Amanda, so they can get to know you better? Sure. Well, I'm the broker owner of At Home Realty. I've owned the office since 2007. I've been doing real estate almost 15 years now. Um, I have 14 agents that are at my office, but I don't really work on a team. So it's just, uh, those are just agents kind of working at At Home Realty, and then you do all your own business yourself. Correct. So, so let's get to some nitty gritty. Like how many houses did you sell last year as a solo agent? 306. Wow. And and so did you have anybody helping you? Well, my husband helps and he does what I call non-income producing, putting out signs, picking up signs, inspecting properties, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, because I own the office, I have an assistant slash office manager that helps me with some of the paperwork. But I don't do, you know, buyer's agents and seller's agents and all of that good stuff. Wow. So um, talk to me about that. Like our, our, of 306 houses, what percentage are listings? What percentage are buyers? Um, last year, about 50% were buyers and 50% were listings. And So how the heck did you handle that? I, I sleep about five hours a night. Wow. <laughs> and I work seven days a week. And, and how do you keep track of it all? Uh, sometimes I wonder. I have a lot of spreadsheets. I don't really do like um, Top Producer or any of those programs. I focus mainly off of spreadsheets. And then, of course, you know, the, the key thing is to work with people that are going to help keep you on track. Your lenders, your title companies, um, your home inspectors, to have a good network of people. And if they do their part in taking care of their area, then you don't have as much work to do. That's crazy. Okay. So you got 25 deals going and settling every month, roughly, or, or more, 25 to 30. 40, yeah. Wow. Okay. So so tell me, what does your day look like? Um, I'm usually at the office by 530 in the morning. I'm usually done showing properties. If I have showings in the evening by 630 or 7, I go home, I take bath, I microwave supper because no, I don't cook. And then I get right back on the computer, and I usually get to bed somewhere between 11 and 12 o'clock. Wow, seven days a week. Seven days a week. Okay, so like, what was your, so what was the volume on your 300-some houses? Uh, 35 million in gross sales. Okay, and what was the GCI on that? I don't know. <laughs> so probably, it was probably about a million bucks, right? I mean, it was... Um, you know, I, I haven't even paid attention to that. What's your, what's your average sale price? You know, believe it or not, it's kind of low. Um, the average sales price is 125. Okay. We sell a lot of manufactured homes, so. And by manufactured homes, you mean just like small, like uh, double wide, like double wide trailers, the stuff mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Yeah. And of course your profit margin is a hundred percent pretty much, right? Cause you only got one assistant and then your husband does the rest. Correct. Wow. That's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely within the 90 percentile. So, wow. Wow. Okay, cool. So, talk to. let's go back to the beginning. So, you started 15 years ago. What did you do back in the beginning to get business? 
Oh, I came in when nobody else worked. I came in at nights, came in on weekends, came on holidays, just waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for somebody to walk through the door. Um, I went, it's like kind of like being a politician, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies. You know, if there's a fair, I had a booth. Um, so I did a lot of working for free just to kind of get my business started. Yeah, putting the time in early without any return, knowing that the return would happen later. Right, but never imagining that it would be where it's at right now. Wow. Ever. And then, and do you remember how many houses you sold that first year? Um, the very first year I got my license in April, um, April 2003, I ended up um, getting a divorce that year, which was a little more than I could handle. Um, so I only sold three properties that year. Um, okay. The second year, which was my first full year, I did $1.6 million. Um, and that's in net sales. So that would be like 3.2 in gross. Um, and then it's just kind of gone from there. Wow. Wow. And so where it take me to today, 15 years later, where's your business come from today? Oh, it's amazing. I have some of the best agents in the area. Um, I'm ranked number 30th by the wall street journal. Um, number one in the state, um, several awards, several, um, you know, opportunities for recognition and just a great community that supports me. Yeah. And, and just like everybody knows you, I mean, Nashville's still a pretty big place, right? I mean, it so. is, it is. And my office is just slightly out of Nashville. I am originally from Nashville, but my office is slightly out in a smaller community, um, which I'm heavily involved in. So a lot of people here do know me, uh, the Nashville community. I'm not going to say everybody there knows me, but the majority of the agents who have any kind of transactions, you know, good numbers will will have done business with me at some point. Hmm. And so uh, do you like I understand that you show up for work and that you're there to catch the ball. Right. But who's throwing the ball? Is it just getting thrown to you automatically or are you doing things to get balls thrown at you? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um you know, the market crashed here. In my community, the market started crashing in 2006. Um, some things had happened outside of Nashville that caused this community to start on a downward trend. And then the market just spiraled out of control. Um, but the thing is, you got to keep up with the basics. You know, always do the basics. Now, there are things that I don't do now that I used to do. Um, but that's more of being efficient and learning and growing. Um, but, you know, keeping the basics, you know, a lot of agents will tell you that print media is dead. Well, I have continued print media ever since day one. I mean, it's very important to me. So you're keeping up with the technology, but you're also keeping the basics of, you know, paper in hand. So uh, fortunately for me, I've, I've had a lot of referrals. So I do have a lot of business. I have a lot of repeat business. I have a lot of referrals from people that have done work with me in the past. But you've also got to continuously search for new business and new ways to get business. So is it is it easy to price a manufactured home? I mean, how many of these uh, listing appointments are you able to do uh, or do you do in a week? Um, right now, probably about seven in a week. So every day, just about. Yes. And is it do you just kind of go out there and be like, oh, well, this is this price and I know it because I know the market so well? Or do you do research? Or? No, I, I mean, I still think... 
you know, I mean, I would love to have the attitude of, you know, I'm a man to bell and it's this way because I say it is, but that's not the case at all. Um, you know, you still have to sell yourself. You still have to market yourself and you still have to prove that what you know is fact. So I still do a market analysis on every home that I go out to and bring them documentation, showing them comps and the things that they need to know about their house. Wow. So what's your favorite script that you use that helps you the most? Oh, hmm. Um, as far as like listing appointments and things like that. Yeah, that'd be um, great. Yeah. Wow. The, I guess I, I don't know that I've really thought about that. I don't really have a script. Um, you know, I tell them who I am and what I do and why I do it and what makes me different from everybody else. But um, I'm not an aggressive salesperson. I'm not an aggressive agent. Um, my job is not to sell a home or to get a buyer to buy a home. My job is to assist them and advise them. So each person is different. And so there's not a standard script that I think goes for everybody. I mean, I have my standard marketing packet that I take with me, you know, and the standard things that I do. But I think you have to customize each interview with each potential client to what their needs are. So what do you do? Do you take vacations at all? Um, <laughs> yes, I actually have one planned in May. Um, normally I'll take about five days, but I do take my laptop and my cell phone with me. Um, in fact, when I went to Hawaii a couple years ago, I actually hired a second person to be at the office from four o'clock at night to seven o'clock at night because of the time difference in Hawaii in case I needed anything. Oh, I got you. Okay. So you basically have a, a working vacation. You go somewhere nice, but you take take your laptop yes. and everything with you. Yes. Because unfortunately, in the real estate world, nobody cares if you want a vacation. Um, your clients still want to be taken care of, and they don't want things to fall through the cracks just because you need a couple days off. And then five days is just enough so that you could, if someone wants you to come out and list their house, talk to them, look at a house, they can wait a couple of days. Yes. And I mean, I literally, if my plane is going to land, let's say my plane lands at 10 o'clock, I've got appointments at 12. I literally hit the ground running when I come back. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So um, what would you say the weirdest thing you've ever seen in a house is? Oh, wow. There's so many. You know, the weirdest thing that I've seen, I mean, we do a lot of foreclosures too. So, I mean, there was one house that um, the graphics on it were great. I mean, very, whoever did it was very artistic. Um, but they were very disturbing images, um, so much so that I didn't allow children in the house. That had to be the absolutely weirdest thing that I've ever seen. And that's uh, that was like a painting on the wall? Yes, there were several paintings on the wall where the kids had broken in the house and done graffiti on the wall. Okay. Um, but yeah, and everything was upstairs, so the parents would have to leave their children either in the car or, or downstairs in order to go in the house. Wow. Now, do you invest in real estate too? I don't. Well, I take that back. I've bought one investment property, which is a commercial building, only because where my office is now, I rent. And um, mm. I don't want to leave my location, but should my owner ever decide that he wants the building back, I've got somewhere to go. But other than that, no, I do not buy properties um, because I don't want to compete with my clients. I think if you start competing with your clients, then you're going to lose business. Hmm. So talk to me about how you keep track of this. Now I'm visualizing you don't use top producer. You don't use any CRM. Nope. You're, you're not huge on the technology thing. Do you just have like notebooks with people's names in them and then notes underneath it that you can just flip through with just like <laughs> hundreds of leads? 
Well, I mean, you know, not every lead you're going to convert. Um, because we do a lot of foreclosures, we got a lot of people that call and just want a price. So I have a spreadsheet where I have what date they called, who there are, what property it is, and their phone number. Um, so that if we have any price changes or if it comes back on the market, then I can automatically go through that spreadsheet um, pretty quickly and call everybody back. Um, I have a different spreadsheet for all my properties that are under contract um, so that I know just from at a glance what needs to be done, when they're closing, where we're at in the process, and I update that accordingly. So you're just kind of like writing notes while you're driving around throughout the day, and then when you get a chance, you just update these spreadsheets. Yes, I, yeah, I update the spreadsheets every evening, yes. Every evening. That's what you do at night is you just take your notes, and then you upload it on a spreadsheet, and then you're ready for the next day, and then you take more notes, then you upload it on a spreadsheet. Yes, yes, and then I'll send out all my property listings. I'll check out for check what happened for all my buyers during the day. I'll check those in the evening as well. So it sounds like um, you, you get a lot done at night at home after your bath. You're just sitting there cranking out stuff until you're finished. Yes, pretty much. Sending out emails, checking, finding houses for buyers, scheduling appointments, that sort of thing. And then during the day, you're running around showing housing, showing houses, listing houses, that sort of thing. Yes. Have you ever thought about getting a driver? or? Yes, I've actually thought about that. <laughs> Seems like it would make a lot of sense because out of the day, the daytime, where you're not sitting there entering in the spreadsheets during the day, how much of that time would you say is spent outside of the office? Oh, probably 50%. Um, the only thing about that, um, like yesterday, I left the house at 530 in the morning and drove to Waverly, Tennessee, which is an hour and 15 minutes away um, for a new HUD foreclosure that I had. And then, you know, came straight back to the office and then was gone again. So for me to have somebody, as far as a driver goes, I don't think anybody's going to want my schedule. <laughs> you know, they would literally have to live with me. Yeah. You'd have to have two drivers. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, who do you do foreclosures for? Um, I have HUD properties right now. Um, we just got a new asset manager, so we're waiting to see who gets picked for that. I do VA properties, um, and I do a lot of smaller companies as well. And with all that, you do all the work, right? You go out, yes. look at them, take the pictures, communicate with them, start to finish. Yep. And I guess you got another spreadsheet for that. <laughs> they have their <laughs> own systems for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how did you get that business? Um, I don't know. Um, I know that back in 2006 is when I really started applying for a lot of foreclosures. Um, in order to apply for them, you have to have, um, your E&O, an excess E&O insurance policy of about a million dollars and you have to have some special insurance for your car. Um, so I paid for that insurance for about two years before I ever got my first foreclosure. Um, my first foreclosure came from a company called First Preston out of... Uh, Texas, which is also now known as Home Telos. Um, they were our asset managers for HUD. Um, so I got in with them in 2006. And then it's just a series of keep applying, keep applying, find out who the new people in the game are, because banks just rotate throughout the system. So you just have to keep applying with different asset managers to get on. And then a lot of times, if you have a relationship with a particular asset manager and they leave one company, they'll carry you to the other one with them. Right, right. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. 
Absolutely. So do you ever get calls on some of these foreclosures that, um, that quite frankly, you don't want to show the house and you don't do it or no matter what? No. Yeah. (laughs) No. Now, the only time that I will really discourage someone is if I know that they can't get approved or can't get financing. Mm. Um, you know, if somebody tells me they've got a 400 credit score, then it really is a waste of their time and mine. So in that instance, I will, you know, very politely and professionally just tell them that they need to work on their credit before they start looking at houses. So is this, is that something you ask them right, right then and there when they call? What's your credit score? Um, it depends on the house that they're calling about. Um, a lot of the foreclosures won't qualify for several different loans. So I usually try to screen them if that's the case. Hmm. Wow. Amazing. So what would you say the lowest price house is you've sold? The lowest price house that I've ever had? Yeah. Uh, $13,000. Okay. And, um, large or small, you sell them all. So if someone called on a 13,000 and they wanted to even get a loan on a 13,000, you show it. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then the the most is, you know, the most I've ever sold right now would be 618. Okay. All right, good. So, of the listings that you get, what percentage would you say are foreclosures? Um, probably 40%. Okay. And the rest come from where? The rest come from either referrals or like right now our inventory is really low. So if I have a client that's looking for something in particular, we have a Facebook community for, you know, our locals and I'll put on there what I'm looking for. And I've actually gotten three listings this week from that. Okay. So wait a minute. So tell me about that. This is just a, it's not a Facebook community that you created. It's one that already exists, right? Like, uh-huh. like your local community Facebook page. Right. And what'd you put on there? Um, like the last one that I put was, um, looking for a buyer. I need a home with three bedrooms, two baths in the Pleasant View school district under 200,000. And then people just private message you and say, Hey, I got one. I got one. I got one. And then you, yep. And then you're like, well, that may or But may I'm really careful about that. I don't, I don't post things if it's not true. You know, some people will say, oh, hey, I've got a buyer for your house. Can I show it? And the next thing you know, they're tr- just trying to list it. You know, I, karma comes back to you. I, I don't post things that aren't true. So if I tell you I have a buyer, I really do have a buyer. I'm not trying to just list your house. And then do you show it to the buyer first before you kind of go after the listing? Or how do you handle that? Yes, I'll show it to the buyer first. Because in that case, I'm already working with the buyer. So in order for me to... Um, secure the listing side of it, then I would have to release my buyer. And I don't really feel like that's the right thing to do when you're already working with a buyer. Oh, I see. I see. So you go in there as a buyer agent. Yes. And do you get the seller to sign anything or do you just show it? No, I just show it. You just show it. You say, listen, I do a lot of stuff on trust and faith. And I'm not going to say that I haven't ever gotten burned, but um, I just believe that things will come back to you if if not um like buyer's agency agreements you know a lot of agents will have you sign one before you ever go show them their first house um i don't do that um and my buyer's agency agreement was there's that little famous term that says if you buy a house for sale by owner through somebody else you owe me x amount i always put in zeros there and i explained to my clients you know if they're writing an offer obviously i have to have that 
Um, but I explained to my clients that I put in zeros there because if I do my job, then I want them to be loyal to me. But if I don't do my job, then, I mean, should they really be obligated to pay me a commission? I mean, I've never understood that. Right, right, yeah. So so these sellers, right, that uh, say, okay, Amanda, we want to sell the house. Uh, do you discuss price with them, uh, commission, anything, or do you just say, great, how about Tuesday at 10? Let's they look at it. They usually give me we'll- a price up front. Mm-hmm. And then do you discuss commission, or do you just kind of go with it? Um, what I usually ask them is if they're willing to work through a buyer with a buyer's agent. Um, and if they tell me no, then I have a discussion with my buyer. But most of the time, they'll say yes. And then we just kind of go from there. And then and essentially, they're just paying half the commission. Right. And then you show it. And then if they don't like it, all right, then, then you call them back. And what do you say? Uh, I call them back and I tell them, you know, thank you very much for letting me show their house. And then it's not what my buyer is looking for. And that I understand that they haven't signed on with an agent, but if they get to the point where they're considering listing it, that I would love to interview for that position. Wow. And then you just wait. Yes, for a couple days, and then I'll follow back up with them. Okay. So what percentage of the day and night do you think you're on the phone? Oh, we have so many phone calls. Um, Nighttime, it usually slows down about 7 o'clock. So I usually have two or three hours without the phone ringing much. Um, however, I was on the phone working offer at 10 o'clock last night. Um, during the day, it's pretty busy. Um, a lot of times if I take an hour to meet with a client or something like that, I may have anywhere from five to 10 phone calls. When you get back. So you take yes. an hour. Your phone shut off for an hour, essentially. You get, yes. on average, seven or eight phone calls that you got to return and then you're right. just writing them down, return them one by one. Bang, bang, yes. bang, bang, bang. And, and I even return phone calls that people don't leave messages. So I have an app on my phone so that if you call my phone and it just barely hits it and you hang up, then I have, it captures your number. So I will call you back. Now is that, um, is that just the caller ID or is that something special? It's called Umail. Okay. Umail. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got Umail too. Yeah. And so another great thing about emails, it turns every um, voice message into a text message so you could just read it and you don't have to necessarily go in there and Correct. listen and then write it down. It saves that whole step of having to write down messages. Yes. Okay. What other great uh, technology uh, are you using now? Oh, I love Voxer. <laughs> What's that? Voxer is a walkie-talkie app. Um, We use it a lot between me, my husband, and our office manager um, just because it saves a lot of steps from, like, me having to call the office, and if she's on the other line, then I'm on hold and I'm waiting on her. Um, That way I'm not trying to text and drive. I can just press a button, send her a message, and then she'll respond back to me. So it's it's like a recording. You hit Voxer, you say, hey, you say to your husband, hey, I need this, or how much do we have this listed for, or what happened with this, and it's a recording, and it just mm-hmm. goes to him automatically, and then he does a recording, and it, it sends you one back? Yes. Hmm. So you're never actually talking to anybody. It's just sending recordings back and forth. Correct. It's like a walkie-talkie, except for it actually, yeah, captures the recording. Wow, that's neat. So, hmm. So it doesn't have to be live. And they just, when they get it, they get it. Yeah. And then they respond to it. And then again, it saves you from having to write things down. Right. 
That's awesome. That's incredible. Well, that so Amanda, let's uh, wrap this up with our flagship question here, and that oh. is, if I put you on a show similar to the show Survivor, have you ever seen Survivor? Yes. Okay, so I put you on there with nine other agents, and you guys are going to go at it to see who can sell the most houses. And um, you each get a laptop computer, you get $500 cash, and you get a, a cell phone. And people are buying and selling. There's a lot of commerce going back and forth. Whoever sells the least amount of houses each week gets thrown off the island. Whoever lasts for 10 weeks without getting thrown off the island and sells the most houses wins a million dollars. How is Amanda Bell going to win this game? I don't know that Amanda Bell will. What about that answer? Wow. Um, <laughs> You're the first person that ever said that. Well, and here's why. Okay. Do I, do I think that I'm the absolute best ever? No, absolutely not. Because to say that would mean that I have no room to grow I have nothing else to learn. I have no improvements. I have no faults. That That's never going to happen. Do I think that there are agents out there that sell just to sell, you know, without considering the outcome? Do I think that if you come to me and tell me you want a three-bedroom house, I'm going to sell you a three-bedroom house, but Joe Blow may sell you a two-bedroom just to get it sold? Um, so I don't know that I will because, again, I'm, I'm not an aggressive agent. I'm, I'm an advisor, and I think that makes a difference. So I may not win the game, but in the long run, I'll win more than the person that wins a million. Mm, kind of like a get rich slowly, just like you did. Three houses the first year, you know, and then a little more the next year. And then but next thing you knew, it just built like a snowball more and more and more. And now look at it, 300 and what you say, 30 houses? 306. It's an investment. You know, that's what I tell the new agents that come in here. You're investing in your business. If you take care of your people now, they're going to remember that, and they're going to refer 10 more people to you. If you're only worried about the right now and what you can get right now, then long term, you're not going to have any gains. I think that's the hardest thing about any business, right, is that you, you spend so much time and so much work without a return in the very beginning. It's all that upfront time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of agents don't make it past the upfront time. Hmm. It's, it's a lot of discipline, a lot of budgeting, um, but remembering first and foremost, you know, you're doing it to help people, not just to make money. What do you think, you know, there's that old cliche that's like, hey, you know, when you get into real estate, don't expect to get paid for six months. What do you think uh, a good rule of thumb is, is don't quit until, you know, you're still failing after X amount of time, X amount of years? Well, I think that varies from person to person. I mean, in this market right now, if you've gone two months and you've not been able to sell anything, then there needs to be a self-evaluation. If you've gone a full year in this market and you've not sold anything, this business is not for you. Hmm. I mean, that's just the reality. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to sell something when the market is this hot. And, and by the end of five years, you should be extremely busy. And if you're not, then yes. you're doing something wrong. You're not that yeah. good of an agent. And three years is when you're start, you'll start getting a lot of your referrals back. So, but, but I'll tell you, I, I do have a, a budgeting plan 
that I don't know if any other realtors do it, but it has worked well for me and I have refused to change it. What is that? If you take your gross commission, so let's say for easy numbers that your gross commission is $3,000 on a sale and you take 30% of that and set it aside for Uncle Sam. Okay. So you got $900 for Uncle Sam. Yep. You get to keep 20% of it in savings or whatever. The other 50% pays your overhead and funds your business. Okay. So at the end of the year, or let's say the end of the quarter, because you know you should be paying your taxes every quarter. So let's say at the end of the quarter, if you have saved $15,000 for Uncle Sam based on gross commission, when you get ready to pay your quarterly taxes, you're going to pay on net. So you've automatically got a savings there. Mm -hmm. That accumulates throughout the year. Right. The very first year that I did that, I had enough to buy a boat. (laughs) that's great so you operate your business on 50% of your gross you save or personal 20% and Uncle Sam gets 30% and at the end of the year you've still got a good savings yeah yeah in the kitty and uh, and if you can't do that in your opinion right you shouldn't be building teams and hiring assistants and things like that right it's a business you know you can't spend every penny that you get and you can't get in trouble with Uncle Sam. Yeah. Yeah. What so many people do, right? They they sit there and they grow this business and they have buyer agents and team members and, and, and things and big houses and everything else. And then come time to pay their taxes, they don't have any money. Right. Well, and the other thing, a lot of these team leaders, they don't work. Their, their, their job is to manage only. So they're sitting back and they're relying on their agents to build their business for them. You know, I I have 14 agents, but I don't rely on them to pay my bills. I pay my bills, and then anything that I make off of them is gravy. Mm. Now, do you ever give them any leads, or or do you pretty much you do? Okay. My philosophy is is that if they will prove to me that they are willing to build their business on their own, then I will help them. But by helping them right off the bat and just feeding them their business is not going to make them work any harder at building their own business. Hmm. And that's a, and and that's all a separate business in your mind too. That's your brokerage business. It has nothing to do with your personal Correct. sales and and that sort of thing. So that's just like an extra little form of income for you. Right. That's great. Well, listen, Amanda, this has been amazing. It's uh, it's very eye opening. I I love just how you do things the old fashioned way, but get them done in a huge uh, manner. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really thank appreciate you, you taking. Me. All right. Have a great day. And if I'm ever in Nashville, we'll get together. All righty. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this session of Real Estate Rockstars. I'm Pat Hyben, and I appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock-solid advice. I encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with. These insights, along with goal setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how-tos, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at Pat Hyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. Listen up, Rockstar Nation. I am going on three years now doing this podcast, and you know I've had uh, well over 300 guests on here. 
and I hope you guys have learned a lot. I know I have learned a ton. And, and even though we try to get to all meat and potatoes and have people give actionable content on this podcast, there's only so much we can do with one interviewee. And uh, there were a couple of things that I seem to find that real estate industry, uh, the sales industry, it, at least in my opinion, was yearning for. And one of those is a hyper, hyper, hyper focus on the listing appointments. I think there's a huge frustration out there from agents that, you know, quite frankly, lose listing appointments. It's it, it can ruin your month. One lost listing, especially if it sells right away and it's a decent price, can ruin your month. It might even ruin your year. It's a, a kick in the gut and nobody wants to feel that. And I think that a lot of people want to be empowered better. And there's very few courses on how to, you know, put on a Superman cape and go in there and and take the listing every single time. So what I did is I interviewed eight top agents from around the world. I've got five different companies represented. All have been on this show. So you guys know them. You know, I've got Jeff Quinton. I've got Nate Martinez, Jeff Cohn. I've got Rachel Adams out of Sacramento, California. Uh, Brendan Payne, Aaron West, Dan Grieb, and Saul Z. All all super agents, all rock stars. Just completely pull back the curtain and let everybody, a camera, see how they do listing appointments. And so what I did is I took these and I broke them up. It, it was evident that everybody's listing appointment pretty much broke down to six steps. And we took these six steps and broke them down into f- more sub-chapters. Then we created quizzes uh, that go along with them and a certification, and we're calling it uh, the listing appointment certification. And it's in the finishing phases now. Uh, I don't have it for sale. And so what I thought I would do is since I haven't spent a dime on marketing yet, I will take the marketing fee and the marketing amount normally spent and just discount it for anybody that wants to sign up for it prematurely before it comes out. You don't have to pay anything now and you don't have to buy it. Just let me know now that you could consider buying it in the future and you'll get uh, 50% off. I'm going to sell for $4.99 as soon as I make it uh, public and then I'll give it to you guys for $249. All you got to do is send an email to rockstar at hybin.com. Rockstar at hybin.com. I'm also uh, creating a Another product with Jeff Cohn, which is a team building product. We don't have the details of the price of that yet, but if you're interested in that, just put uh, also interested in Jeff Cohn's uh, product in the email as well. Just also interested in the team building product as well. So I hope to get your emails and look forward to calling you a certified listing agent and a certified team agent in the future. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.